Hello, welcome to my Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. It's great to have your company. The Savior has offered to take upon him our burdens, and we lay that burden, we lay that rock, that thing that we want him to take from us or to forgive us or to help us think of or whatever. You lay that on at the foot of the cross. It's a powerful, powerful moment. That voice you just heard is Saul Valdez, and we'll get to Saul in just a moment. But first, this is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago. I had lunch with an old friend this week. There were two of his old friends at the table when I arrived. They didn't know me, and I didn't know them. My friend Gary is a publican. He owned one of my favourite pubs to perform at, the Sir William Wallace Hotel in Balmain, just a heartbeat from the Sydney CBD, the Opera House and Harbour Bridge, and we have lunch from time to time. Well, this week we broke bread, and one of the other two people at the table, David, was talking about tattoos. Now, bear with me. We all agreed that we were too old for tattoos, but I said, if I ever got one, it would be the Templar Cross. And he said, what's the Templar Cross? Two hours later, (laughs) three bottles of wine and a wonderful meal later, David might just be walking the Camino de Santiago in the not-too-distant future. Because the story is so alluring, it's so dramatic. The bones of Christ's Apostle James found in a field in northwest Spain, and then centuries of people walking, heart in hand, to visit those remains, perhaps hoping for forgiveness, for enlightenment, for hope, for light. Truth is, you and I hold the key to our enlightenment. You and I hold the key to our love. You and I hold the key to our hope. You and I hold the key to our light. And that key is love. It's kindness. Your kindness will be your key to love. Kindness. If you're new to the podcast and you're thinking of walking the Camino, if this is your first encounter with the way of St. James, prepare yourself. Strap yourself in for kindness. Now, if hugs and massages and someone touching your feet, if all of that freaks you out, ease up. It's how pilgrims operate. But I guarantee you, someone will reach out with kindness. Someone will tell you they are there for you. Someone will pause to let you talk endlessly. And you'll find the two things you won't find in your everyday hustle and bustle, time and space. And it will lead you to yourself. And you might be delighted or frightened. Well, no matter what you find in you, with you, around you, you'll find other pilgrims happy to share your step-by-step pilgrimage to the new you. If you are thinking of walking the Camino, there's a global community of pilgrims waiting to help. This humble podcast is simply one avenue of discovery. Sing and dance in the joy of your pilgrim journey. I'll be clapping along. There's an old saying from Mahatma Gandhi, where there is love, there is life. It's so simple. And it's so true. And for so many of us, love is complicated. You might, like me, have a child who at one point was struggling. You might, like me, have lost a sibling, a parent, a job you loved. You might, like all of us, be striving to be everything to everyone. Well, if you're looking for inspiration, St. James, in whose footsteps we walk, not just on the Camino, but in life, would no doubt have put his stamp on Gandhi's credential. And Gandhi would have said, Where there is love, there is life. My guest this week is Saul Valdez, and Saul is on the line from Hawaii. Welcome, Pilgrim. Thank you. It's good to be with you. You came to my attention when I saw a Facebook post, and it was Madrid Airport, where I've been eight times, I think, and I recognized the picture. The caption underneath said, My Camino journey has not ended. It has only just begun, hopefully filled with more mindfulness and peace. So, Pilgrim, take us back to where it began. When did you first hear about the Camino? Oh, gosh, I first heard about the Camino back in 2017. I was following a friend of mine on social media, and uh, she was on the Camino at the time, and it looked just absolutely fascinating to me, at least by the pictures. I had no idea until I was on the Camino myself what it would mean to myself as a person 
internally and spiritually. But it sure was fascinating just to see the pictures that she was taking and the experience she seemed to be having. And I wanted a piece of it. <laughs> so what what does Saul do in Hawaii? What does day-to-day life look like for this pilgrim? Well, I actually um, work for a company in Los Angeles, and I spend three weeks out of every month uh, here in, in Hawaii with my family, and then I commute uh, and spend 10 days or so in Los Angeles uh, doing the type of work what, which, what, that I do, which is leasing all electric vehicles. And so I spend my realm in amongst mo- modern automobiles, so to speak, and, uh, and I try to spend the time here in Hawaii being a little bit more mindful in a sense because it allows you to it, it, the mainland tends to have a hustle and bustle type of feel to it in comparison to living here in Hawaii yeah I'm sure I've never been to Hawaii but the pictures look absolutely amazing and I like to look at pictures of of, of my guests I go on to online I'm a bit of a stalker um, in my research I saw some beautiful photographs of you And your family. So tell us about your family. They clearly, from what I've seen, are very important to you. Oh, they absolutely are. Uh, My wife and I uh, have been married 39 years. And in that 39 years, Mm. we've raised five children, the oldest of which is 36 and the youngest of which is 18 and is still at home with us. And the youngest, there's a little story about the youngest too, isn't there? Yes, he... um, my youngest was not born to us. Uh, he was born into our hearts, but uh, he was born in Guatemala and we adopted him from there. How lovely. Yeah, my youngest brother is adopted as well. It's a very special thing for, for, the, fa- for the family and, of course, for the child. But it's such a lovely thing to, for everyone to have, have met and shared this mortal coil together, isn't it? It's beautiful. Absolutely. It really is. You know, it, it expands our family. Yeah. In fact, we've since uh, we recently learned he has a half brother living in Indiana and uh, that was also adopted, of course, from Guatemala by a family there. So our family just keeps growing and it's really yeah. kind of exciting that way. Yeah, that is great. So why and how did you wander off from your family to walk the Camino de Santiago? Well, I was about to turn 62 years old in, on September 1st of this year. And I, at that point, before I left for the Camino, I thought, well, you know, this is going to be my swan song, so to speak. That's going to be my retirement uh, uh, travel trip uh, of sorts. And uh, I think uh, this would be a great way to kind of start life and kind of figure out the next phase of my life. So I went, I went into that with, with, with that thought in mind. And uh, I've actually come out the other end uh, with uh, some new, new perspectives on life, I guess you could say. Yeah, and I want to get to some of those. But cast your mind back to the days and, and weeks before you went to the Camino. What did you hope you'd find? I knew that one would spend a lot of time walking and I knew that it, that also one would spend a lot of time thinking while you're walking. I, those sort of things seem to, to, to be evident to me. Uh, you have no idea, I guess, until you get on the Camino, how much time that really is. And, and I really wanted uh, time to think about where my life was going to be going. And I found, in fact, uh, during the Camino, I guess, others that were doing the same thing. And, and that made it really special because it's, it's uh, you start meeting people that are very like-minded. Yeah, yeah. Are you a religious person, Saul? I guess you could say I am. Um, I have been um, uh, an active member of my church now for almost 50 years. And, um, and I, you know, I'm the kind of, guy, kind of guy that goes to church every Sunday and, uh, and uh, has brought up my, my kids in the church as well. And uh, so I, I knew that the Camino had a very spiritual and, and of course, being based in, in the traditions of the Catholic Church, that it had that element to it. And that was interesting to me as well. I think it's part of what drew me because I knew that it was faith-based to some extent. And, uh, and I was looking forward to that experience. 
In one of the messages you sent me, you said, Dan, I love people and I love sharing this world with others. Why? Where does this kindness come from? Oh, I don't know. I think that kindness is in all of us. We often don't uh, appreciate that is that it is in us to want to be connected to others. And sometimes, you know, being on a, on something like the Camino allows you to, uh, to, to, to spread that out a little bit, to, to enjoy it, to savor it, so to speak. Uh, because I think there's goodness in everyone. And, uh, I, you know, it's one of the reasons, I guess, sometimes people ask me, why did you come to Hawaii? And uh, Hawaii just lends itself to that aloha spirit. And it's something that, I, that, I, that we were sort of seeking, something different from having uh, grown up in California and uh, grown up, you know, fighting, positioning your way on the freeway, on the way to work or school or wherever you were mm-hmm. going. And uh, so life here in Hawaii is a little bit slower paced and a little bit uh, kinder in a sense. And uh, so when you ask, where does that come? I think it comes, I think it's in all of us to to love people. And uh, I I, I grew up in a large family. I was one of five myself. So I always knew that I wanted uh, to have a large family where we could spread some of that love around. And, uh, and I do, I do love people. I love being around people. I guess I'm, I'm a bit of a, a social being. Yeah. And there's no better place really to be that kind of being than on the Camino. Hey. Oh gosh, absolutely. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. You know, I really had no idea that it would be yeah. uh, that, uh, you, that sort of environment where you, where you come to have a Camino family. No one had ever spoken about that to me. And that was really, to me, the grandest uh, part of it all, just in, in the relationships that you build with people over time. It's just, it's just an amazing thing. Did you walk every day with the person that you went over with or did you separate and sort of go on your own way once you got there? Oh, that's a really good question, actually. I ended, I, um, I started the Camino with four friends of mine. Well, one uh, friend, the one that I had um, mentioned earlier yeah. uh, from high school that, uh, that had been posting things, she invited a, a couple other friends to come along. So four of us started the Camino together. Uh, one person left after about uh, a week or eight days into the Camino. Uh, and then as we... Went on to the Camino. I found that it was okay to separate from each other, find each other in whatever town we decided we were going to end up in, or had a reservation at an albergue. And in that process, I started to make my own pace. And, and in making my own pace, you find people that have your pace in life, in thoughts, in uh, spirituality, in interest. It's it's just a fascinating thing how that works in the Camino. Uh, just really an amazing thing. You know, um, from time to time, people say, oh, I, had the, I had a kind of a calling. And, you know, I, or, or as soon as I heard about the Camino, I knew, I knew I had to do it. And I wondered then why you think the Camino resonated with you of all of the people following your friend's social media posts of, the, of, her, of her Camino. Why do you think it resonated oh, with you? I think it resonated with me. You know, again, you, you mentioned, if um, am I a religious person? I mm-hmm. am. Uh, I don't know if, if I can share this, but I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's most people know us as, as Mormons, right? Mm-hmm. And I had originally, I had grown up as a Catholic. And uh, so the Camino resonated with me because of the, of the oranges, origins of it and the fact that one would have an opportunity to contemplate uh, your relationship with uh, your Savior, Jesus Christ, and, uh, and also your relationship with God, our Father, and, and your relationship with, with your family. And if I can step back a little bit, I, you know, you, you, you asked me what, what brought me here, what was my calling? I think my calling, I think the community does call you. I think it calls many of us to say, come, Come and spend a time with me. Come and walk my path and come and experience something new. And uh, that, was, that was the way I felt called to it. And, uh, and I had 
hoped for an opportunity to contemplate life, mm-hmm. then contemplate where I stood in life, what I should be doing next. Uh, I, and I found others who had kind of the same uh, roadmap, so to speak, that they, that they were searching for, if, if you can call it a roadmap. You know, the Camino has a map itself, right? There's, there's these maps. There's so many ways to go. And life is that way. There are different ways to get to the same place. This, and the same being with, with religions, right? We all seek truly the one and only insane God. And there are just different ways to get to him. The Camino is that way. Some things take a little bit longer to get there. Some seek a different uh, lifestyle. And, uh, and in the end, we all want to end up in Santiago. Yeah. <laughs> what did you learn about yourself then on the Camino Sol? Oh, gosh. I learned that I could learn to meditate more than I ever have. I found that really one of the most inviting things about it is that uh, so meditation can take many forms, right? You can sit cross-legged uh under a tree and meditate or meditate in your home. Uh, you can meditation can come in the form of prayer uh, for, for most or a lot of people. And I've found that you can meditate and you can have uh, introspective thoughts while you were walking down a path and to the point to where you could, all you really heard was that crunching of all those rocks under your feet. And that was an amazing thing. I, I had no idea that that was available to me, that I could spend that much time just walking and, and thinking and contemplating and wanting to find some inner peace, as, I, as you had mentioned, that, that I mentioned in my last post there. I, I've grown up, um, I guess having anxiety in my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so most, most pilgrims, right, take a stone to the Crucifero. Yeah. And uh, I can share that uh, my stone, my rock, and it's funny because prior to me leaving, I was, I was with my son-in-law, and, uh, and we were on a long walk, one of my training walks, and he saw me pick up a stone. He says, what's that for? It says, it's something I have to take on the Camino. And he says, well, why are you picking up such a large rock? I said, because I really, at some point, I really want to get rid of this weight. And, uh, and uh, so I wrote what my goal was on, on that stone. And, of course, carried it with me most of the way until I got to the Crucifiero. And it was, uh, it was uh, you know how we say, gosh, that's a monkey off my back or felt yeah. like a gorilla on my back. Uh, that was that sort of experience for me. It was a very spiritual experience, actually. If I can share that, if, if I may share with you sure. all. But what did, uh, what did that big stone represent? It represented my anxiety. And that's actually what was written on there. And it represented the fact that sometimes my anxiousness, my wanting things a certain way to go a certain way. I also have, I have ADD, I have anxiety, I have OCD. So things have to be just perfect for a guy like me. They have to be lined up. Wow. Uh, if the, if the, you know, if, if the table is askew, I have to straighten it out. If there, if the mat that sits in front of my, uh, my entryway is askew. I have to, I have to see that straight, those sorts of things, right? It's, it really becomes a burden to, to me. And it also becomes a burden to those around me. And so I thought maybe if I can take some time to contemplate how that affects others and how that has affected me my entire life and how I, if maybe in some way I can leave that behind that would be a whole new me. Were you able to leave it behind? Not entirely, but, oh gosh, in a great way, in a way that I understood it. In fact, one of the, one of the beauties of, of the Camino is that you meet so many people. One of uh, the persons I met and I had an opportunity to have a two and a half hour dinner with uh, was a gentleman who 
uh, ran a clinic for depression and anxiety. And, uh, and we had a long talk about the journeys he's been on and the treatments that he's done for people and so forth. And, it, and I, I learned so much from that dinner. And I learned so much from some of the other friends who have been on somewhat similar and yet different journeys that all brought us to the same place, all wanting to figure out what was best for ourselves and what was best for our futures uh, if, if, or, or going forward, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, what a wonderful gift. It was a wonderful gift. And I think when you go on a Camino, you realize that uh, the Camino, you know, everyone says the Camino provides. It does. It does. And I, when I said what a wonderful gift, what I actually meant was what a wonderful gift you have given yourself. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, going on the Camino was something that was absolutely, I think I, the reason, and if you saw any of my posts and you saw what people were saying to me, yeah. you know, some of my friends and so forth, I think they were astounded about me being there as I was, because they know that Saul, that Saul Valdez, they know, is a very conservative, conservative guy in a sense that he doesn't do anything outside of his wheelhouse where he feels comfortable and that he certainly would never go putting a, you know, 18, 20 pound backpack on his back and trekking across Europe with it. So uh, I think they were as um, amazed that I would do something like this. And I think everyone kind of wanted to see what's going to happen to this guy. How, how did he even end up that way? And, uh, and so I thought the same thing, what's going to happen to me in that, in that, uh, six week, seven week period, you know, that I'm gone and how will I handle it? And can I handle it? And, and, and I learned so many things. In fact, yesterday I was talking to a gentleman and, and, and he asked me whether I was capable of something. And I thought, you know, the one thing that I've learned about from the Camino is that I'm capable of doing hard things and, completing them. And that is an exceptional thing to get to know about yourself, you know, because we all put limitations on ourselves or we often put limitations on ourselves uh, by what we think we are capable or not capable of doing. I've heard, I've had so many people say, Oh, I could never do that. You know? And one of the things that I, that I uh, really enjoyed was watching the variety of people on the Camino that took of it upon themselves to do so. And, and, and what I mean by that is, is not just in our emotional state where we were or our, our physical, but sometimes maybe even our physical being. I found people that were much older than me yeah. uh, doing it. And that was one of the biggest surprises, in fact. I also found people that were out of shape, so to speak, in my eyes, right? And maybe in the eyes of the world. And yet they were so strong and so determined to keep climbing these hills and be a part of it and experience the whole thing. That to me was just absolutely fascinating. That people who would probably be seen as someone who looks like a couch potato was out here just doing their best to have that, the best experience of their lives. And it is, like you mentioned earlier, a great gift to give yourself to uh, come out of your comfort zone and, and, and say, hey, I can go do something that will just benefit me and the rest of the people that I associate with for the rest of my life. Wow, that's fantastic. You, you, we talked about your beautiful and incredible family. Did they see a change in Saul, in dad, as a, in, a, in a, a change in a husband when you returned, do you think? <laughs> so I've got to share something with you. Not only do you see my, my family uh, on my pictures, um, but I don't often show that my mother-in-law lives with me. And, and out of the 39 years that my wife and I have been married. She's lived with us for 31 of those years. And she's generally not a happy person, so to speak. And, uh, and there's some stories around that. In fact, that I learned a lot about on the Camino as well. Uh, but I, did they see a change? I mean, the first thing I, I did when I got back and I came in the door, when we got back from the airport is I came, came and gave my mother-in-law a hug. And my 
18-year-old was just flabbergasted. He says, Dad, you've never done that. I said, I know. I know, but it's time that I did. <laughs> what essence of pilgrimage will you endeavour to take with you as you go step by step through the days, weeks and months to come? Just one essence of pilgrimage will you take with you? I think patience mm. and, and you know, they say, you know, the, the scriptures and the Bible and so forth talks a lot about patience and, 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 and what charity is, right? Charity is, is, uh, is not seeking for yourself, but seeking for better for others and thinking of others first before yourself. Uh, and, and uh, so that for me, you know, kind of being a little bit calmer, and uh, and looking to to want to do better, to be a better person, to be a calmer person, to be a, a more peaceful person uh, is is something that I want to take with me. And it's hard, you know, because I've been home now for six weeks, and uh, and it's just amazing how fast those six weeks have gone, right? Because those six weeks that I was, or those five and a half weeks that I was out on the Camino seemed to go so slow at, at, at one point, you know, I mean, step by step and painful blister and, and aches and pains and so forth to walk in the Camino. And yet once you get home and you get back to this uh, fast paced life that we tend to live in, um, you realize that, wow, I'm either at first, when I got home, I was very, uh, I had what I guess many refer to as the Camino blues. Mm. Oh my gosh, did I miss the Camino, that I miss the opportunity to, uh, as I uh, referred to earlier, to be able to be, um, to, to meditate, to, to yeah. be introspective for six to seven hours a day. That's not a privilege we have. Mm. You know, if, if we are able to meditate, most of us meditate 10 or 15 minutes. If that, or if we're taking yoga or whatever, you know, we have a little Shavasana time and, and what have you. But if, if you can give yourself that gift of meditating for six or seven hours a day and then even contemplating as you go to sleep at night. Wow, what a wonderful thing that is. And that's, it's like, you, you, it's like living the life of a monk, you know, in some monastery or something every day and, and kind of getting a taste of that and realizing, wow, I could do this. I could think I could spend time meditating or or talking to other people about important stuff. I don't think I, you know, I'm a big car buff, for instance. And I don't think I, I spoke about cars to anybody for, <laughs> for the 37 days that I was, that I was uh, walking, you know? And I don't think we spoke about some show on Netflix or anything like that, you know? I, I, I found that there was so much other important stuff to talk about. Uh, sometimes food, I'm still a big fan of food and we were big fans of food during, during that period. And, and in fact, one of the, one of the greatest of most enlightening moments that <clears throat> I had on the Camino was a, a particular night when, where there were 10 or 11 of us having dinner. We were having pizza, in fact, and in Spain of all places. And we decided at that point that if the world leaders could not only come on the Camino and walk and contemplate what they're doing and, and is, is what they're doing for the betterment of mankind, but also to have dinner across the table eating something as simple as pizza, if they could do it, if we could find a way to get them to do it, that we would suddenly have world peace. You know, it would just be an amazing thing. Here we were, people from France, uh, Holland, Netherlands, uh, uh, you name it, uh, El Salvador, Mexico. It was, it, we were little mini United Nations <laughs> at, at a dinner table. And it was just an amazing thing to, to experience. So you find that time to be a bit introspective and the time to meditate and to pray to be one of the benefits of the pilgrimage. What did you find challenging about the journey? Other than often eating the same thing 
they have today. What, 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 were you eat, what were you eating every day? Well, you know, the, the old uh, pilgrim menu, Yeah. you know, which either consists of some stewed chicken and fries and dessert and, you know, and the salad with the... Um, with the tuna on top of it, you know, the uh, yeah. ensalada mixta, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. That seemed to get old after a while. But but it was still wonderful because it was, in a way, you knew everywhere you you go. In fact, here's the beauty, right? Most pilgrims, we're, we have maybe two changes of clothes or just one other change of clothes. That was wonderful. I didn't have to figure out, was I going to wear my brown pants or my tan shorts with my blue shirt i only had two and i wore them you know as 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 uh clean clothes and the time the washroom would allow uh, of course I, I i guess physical physically of course it's it, it's quite challenging but not impossible to do and you know you you hurt right and it's really you hurt your 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 body's in pain but what was fascinating to me was to realize that at some point beyond the pain beyond the hurt beyond the beyond the fatigue your mind then begins to transcend beyond that and start to put that aside and then you begin to really get deep into your soul and and have that opportunity to think and and to and to have at times, wonderful conversations, meaningful conversations with other people around you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those conversations last five or 10 minutes. Sometimes you walk the rest of the afternoon with them. Sometimes you say, this is a wonderful person. I could learn a lot from her or him. I think we'll have dinner together. And then at the end of that night, you say, would you like to walk again tomorrow? I would really like to spend more time with you. I, I really enjoyed that walk. I really enjoyed our conversation. And uh, I had a friend, Trinity, in fact, um, who was that person for me. And I, we ended up spending the last week, uh, almost the entire week uh, together, and just having fascinating conversations. The other thing that I gained also is being a Christian, I've only had the benefit of having my perspective on God the language that I use uh, about, you know, uh, about the God that I worship. And now I was learning a whole new language. I was learning the language of uh, people who follow Buddhism or people who follow uh, other realms of, 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 of worship. And that was really quite fascinating to me, learning not only, uh, learning the language of communication, of being able to communicate with each other, having uh, nothing was off the table. You know how sometimes mm-hmm. we say, oh, you know, you don't speak religion or we don't, we're not going to talk politics. And yet we could talk politics and we could speak religion on a very open, very, on, a, on an openness and in and, and a way of, of understanding and wanting to understand and wanting to learn from another person what that perspective was. And that I found that just absolutely amazing. So I would say, what would I um, hope that others would do? Don't look at the Camino as something that Christian people or Catholic people go out and do. Um, look at it as something that seekers of truth and of themselves want to do of any walk of life. And that was uh, really enlightening to me uh, that people from all walks of life did the Camino and were willing to share uh, right away. In fact, it was really funny because everyone wants to know um, what brought you to the Camino. That's something we ask each other within the first five, 10 minutes, I guess. At least I did. (laughs) And, and And I found other people would ask me and we were ready to share that. And, 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 and when you open your heart that way to other people, they open theirs to yours. And there's a connection that is built there with other people such that over a period of, you know, just over a month or so or so forth, you end up having this Camino family and, uh, and people who, 
who not just think the way you do, but enjoy life and feel and uh, and are just wonderful to be around and 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 are easy to love. You know, you mentioned um, Trinity there. Well, Trinity was my guest, I think, the last week or perhaps the week before. And she told some stories we'll get to in a moment. But she, I think she really put it best when she said, you know, she was surprised at her capacity for kindness and her capacity to reach out to people. And I think that may have been as a result of walking much of it with you. Um, <laughs> you know, and, she, and a, lot of, a lot of your perspective has rubbed off on her and, and hers on yours. But I just want to ask you, if I was going to able to pick you up, if I was able to pick you up and place you on one place on the Camino, a space and time, where and when would it be? I guess it would have to be the Crucifiero. Mm. Mm. You know, I, I, I mentioned that I brought my rock yeah. to the Crucifiero. And, uh, and I found that a lot of people had their, their moment there, a very powerful moment. And, and, and that for me was, uh, a life changing moment uh, because I felt I, I wrote about this on my post. I said, you know, for those who are, of us who are Christian and have been taught that, uh, that the savior has offered to take upon us, upon him, our burdens. And we lay that burden. We lay that rock, that thing that we want him to take from us or to forgive us or to help us think of or whatever you lay that on at the foot of the cross. It's a powerful, powerful moment. It certainly is. I've seen some amazing things at the Cruz de Ferro. Um, some of the photographs, I think, are just exquisite. You know, in fact, I took a picture of it. Uh, I ended up taking a picture of the Cruz de Ferro as I walked towards it. And... Uh, and I, there was other, some people kind of, uh, you know, approaching it or something. I saw this young lady uh, touching it in such a way that I thought, "Wow, this is a this is a a time I'm just going to keep my distance from 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 this person." And I happened to just take that picture because I thought it was just a beautiful moment in time. And here's the amazing thing. Three or four hours later, I happened to meet her. And we spent the rest of the afternoon together. And I happened to learn her story. And, and, uh, and I, I then had this perspective of, well, in fact, here's the funny thing. I didn't know until later, because it was kind of, the picture was kind of hazy and it was kind of foggy and so forth. Later on, I realized that was her. She told me her story. She told me how she had gone there to contemplate about her father who had passed away and so forth. And uh, and yet I captured that moment in time, that picture. And and we spent that afternoon, uh, you know, sharing our, our lives with each other. Wow. And uh, and it, it, it makes it really easy to to realize that all of us in this world could learn to love each other, could learn to accept each other if we just gave each other some time. And the Camino allows you to give another person some of your time and they give you some of their time. And in giving, and in giving that time, actually end up giving you a piece of their life, a piece of their being, a piece of their existence. And that is a powerful thing to experience time after time after time during the Camino. Do you have plans to share your experience in your community? Could you put together a little presentation or something to tell people about what you went through? Is that something you've thought about? Um, I have. <laughs> and believe it or not, uh, 
the week that I got home, I got a call from my bishop and, uh, and he said, hey, Saul, uh, uh, the person who was going to give the, um, the talk in church this Sunday, her father has gotten ill and she's had to leave the island. I understand you just came from this Camino. Would you, uh, would you uh, be apt to talking about it? for 15 or 20 minutes and and as part of as part of the sermon for for church that Sunday and I found it easy to do I really did although I am sometimes nervous about being up front I had so much you know here's the funny thing I've got to share before I left my wife said I can't wait till you go in that Camino and just kind of get it over with and get it behind you that's all you talk about and uh, so why don't you just go on your Camino and then and then be done with it. <laughs> and she's, and I hope that doesn't sound like she's a bad person because she's not. But, but you know, when, when you have somebody that that's all they talk about every day before they go, yeah. it kind of gets old, I would imagine. And, and, and I guess she was kind of tired of me, you know, talking about it with, with, with everyone. And because people ask you, well, Saul, why are you gone? so long why why do you go on these four and, and and three hour walks and you know and sometimes five hours uh i had people who in fact when i was on the other part of the island said hey didn't i see you walking out in leilani this morning and here you are this afternoon is was that you and i said yeah that was me five hours ago and uh, and i just kind of had to chuckle because well i was just trying to train i was just trying to get ready for that for those long walks but then, you know, fast forward, you know, five weeks later, yeah. uh, my wife says, we, we, we were uh, meeting people and so forth coming back. And it seemed like that's all I wanted to talk about. And then she said, how come that's all you talk about? I said, well, <laughs> because there's, it's like you've discovered something fantastic and you want the whole world to know about it. Yeah. And you want to share it and you, and you hope that other people have that opportunity. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, you know, it's, uh, gosh, it, it's, it's an opportunity for me. It's always been an opportunity since then. It's been an opportunity for me to not talk about, uh, not, not just talk about what I saw, what I did and for people to see the pictures and so forth. But I wanted, I want people to to know that they can do it too. That if this 62 year old guy who a year and a half ago had sciatica so bad, he limped uh, constantly, um, could not walk more than half a block before having to stop in just sheer pain and perspiration from, from it all. If I could get myself to the point where I could walk 800 kilometers and put an additional 20 pounds on my back during that point in period. If, if, if I could do that, you can too, especially those of you who have no ailments or may have a minor ailment. I have flat feet until I got the orthotics. I couldn't walk more than, you know, a half a mile without just having <laughs> tremendous pain on my feet. So I, so there, I, I see myself, and here's another thing. My, my legs are so short. I have a 26 inch inseam. My legs are so short that I, 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 I walk five steps for every person's four for the average person who, who, who does that. And I found that out because I was walking the Camino one morning with a younger couple. They were a beautiful couple from Spain. And they decided, they said, Oh, we check our, our pedometer every morning at 11 o'clock and they were at 18,000 steps and I was at 21,000 steps. And then I started to do that with other people along the way. And I realized, Oh, I'm taking, you know, 25% more steps than the, than the other guy. And uh, so I have short legs. Um, I'm, um, I'm an older guy. I have flat feet. I have a bad back, but if I can do it, anyone else can do it. And, it, and I'm also overweight a little bit. And so there's just, I think we, I think in life, we tend to give ourselves a lot of limitations and say, I can't do that. I could never do that or whatever. And now I found that 
yeah, you know what? I could. In fact, in preparation for the Camino to kind of do one of those things to overcome fear, I actually went uh, uh, hang gliding uh, with, with with an assist, right? With yeah. a person with me. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I wanted to feel what it was like to jump off of a cliff and uh, in a hang glider. And it was really quite an amazing thing. And I thought, boy, if I can do this, I can do the Camino. I did all sorts of things to kind of prep my mind to the point where I could say, yeah, I could go do something hard. And if I can do that, I can do this other thing. I can maybe even go back to school one day and, you know, and get a master's or a PhD. My wife is that sort of a person. In fact, she's working on a master's degree right now. And uh, she, she hopes to go on to a PhD soon. She's that kind of person that never puts a limitation on, on herself, but I do. And so the Camino has taught me that I can do hard things, that I can stick to something, and that I can have a great experience doing it. Listeners who tuned in last week uh, or the week before, I lose track of episodes, to hear my interview with Trinity would have heard the story about the pilgrim who was stung by a bee on the eyelid. That pilgrim was you. Tell us that story. (laughs) You know, at the time, I have to tell you the the, the backstory to that story. I've been having uh, a challenge with a person in my family that I have found... I guess I had found fault in and, and she had found faults in me. And so I was contemplating that scripture uh, in the Bible uh, where it speaks of, you know, don't, don't, uh, I'm just going to paraphrase here, right? But don't worry so much about the moat in, in the other person's eye. First cast the moat out of your own eye before you worry about, you know, passing judgment on another person. And I was really at that point in time thinking about about her and about myself. And I thought, gosh, what's it mean to have a moat in your eye? And in that split second that it occurred, this bee flew straight into my eye and got caught in between my uh, eyelid and my glasses, because I wear glasses. And it felt, because it felt caught, it felt trapped. And because it felt trapped, it decided to put its finger into the bottom part of my eyelid. And there's now a little black scar as a result of it, which I will treasure the rest of my life. (laughs) So at that moment in time, it was one of the most excruciating uh, pains that I have ever felt physically and i don't know why i guess the tissue in in your lower eyelid is so tender there yeah but i screamed out in horror and i pull my glasses off and throw them on the ground and trinity who's standing who we've been walking together uh standing right next to me tries to take it out of my eye and she can't because she's whacking it and she actually takes her two whacks at my eye to get this bee off of me and and i thought to myself Wow, that's what, not only does that scripture mean this, but it also means that sometimes we have to allow somebody, it's not a bad thing to let somebody identify, you've got something in your eye and it needs to leave. <laughs> and, and I'm going to help you do that. And I thought to myself, it's okay. Sometimes we think of that scripture, not only in terms of, um, not judge someone else, but I, I I went one step further with it, and I realized, and this is something that I that I shared in my presentation at church, is I, I realized that sometimes we need to be humble enough to say, you know what, people do realize a weakness in me. They do see a moat in my eye, and I'm going to allow them to take it out of there. And of course, I was so grateful to have Trinity there with me at that moment, and to have her, you know, do her best to whack that out of my eye. I felt sorry for the bee. I really did. I decided uh, that uh, it probably lost its life in the process, and I didn't. And I thought my biggest fear at that moment was that my eyelid was going to uh, get 
puffed up and then I would only be walking around as a cyclops for the next day or so. <laughs> and that was in and of itself, you know, th- that teaching moment that she shared about the Camino providing, you know, she, people stopped and they wanted to help and they were looking for, yeah. uh, uh, you know, medicine and so forth. It was just the most amazing thing. Um, and I had other great experiences. The most amazing experience that I had other than my, the Crucifiero uh, was very early on in the Camino. Um, if I can share that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I was just I, about I to, I was just about to ask you to tell us the Camino story. So, so go right ahead. <laughs> I'd love to hear okay. it. So I'm the kind of person that um, because I have anxiety, I get worked up over little things. I, I get, um, anxious and, and, and upset, mostly at myself. Sometimes I get upset at people in traffic, right? Those sorts of things. So, so the, the, this, one of the most amazing things that happened in the, in the, on the Camino had to do with my having what probably would have been the most anxiety, frustrating, just totally lose it type of moment. And it wasn't. I was taking a picture of this uh, bridge. And as you know, most towns have a bridge there. And I found them all fascinating. The fact that most towns are near some body of water and they're just always these beautiful bridges that one can take a picture of. But uh, a person comes and taps me on my shoulder and he asked me, he said, are you an American? And I said, yes, I am. And then he asked, do you have your passport? And at that point, I'm wondering, are you some kind of official or something? You know, have I been caught? Uh, Have I been accused of something? And, and. Then they said, no, you lost your passport. Oh. And I can you imagine, I mean, in, in that half a second that it takes for that message to go to your brain, I could have gone just absolutely bonkers, wondering how am I going to get my passport back in a foreign country how am I, how is anything on the rest of the Camino going to be normal? I'm only four or five days in. And uh, in that split second, his wife touched my shoulder. And that touch was so powerful. It brought such instant peace by her reaching out and touching me. And she said, don't worry, we found it. And we turned it into the uh, civil police, Guardia Civil. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no way, really, you know. And I, and yet, I, and yet, I thought, it, everything's going to be okay. I really believe everything's going to be okay. And I've never been that way before in my life. If I lost something, it, whether it be a pair of glasses or a twenty dollar bill or my wallet, which has happened several times in my life, um, I just absolutely lose it. But the way she said it and the way she uh, uh, just reached out to me, it was the most amazing thing to me. And, um, and then the rest of the story goes such that um, I ended up uh, getting to the next town, uh, which the next town, not the next town where we were staying. And we were staying in Pamplona that night. And the most amazing part of that story yeah. is that I had just checked into the uh, albergue. And in fact, I couldn't completely check in because I didn't have my passport and I didn't have my Peregrino uh, um, credential. But they allowed me to go look at look for my companions. And I had not finished telling my story to them where when the uh, young lady who was in the front office comes running to me, and this is the, the Jesus and Maria, which is a an old monastery yeah. there in Pamplona, yeah. I know which it. is really huge, super yeah. huge. Yeah. And she comes running down the hall and she says, 
are you Saul Valdez? And I said, yes, I am. She says, the police is on, is on the phone. And I said, they are. I said, yes, they have your passport. And I'm like, how did they know? I hadn't even had an opportunity to talk to them. It just so turned out that the night before, uh, we had stayed in Zubiri. And while in Zubiri, and before leaving Zubiri, I had a conversation with the, uh, the lady the, from, the, from the albergue there. And she asked where we were going next. And we said, we're, we're going to be going to Pamplona. We're going to be staying in Jesus Maria. So when the police found my Peregrino um, credential, they were able to trace back the fact that um, I had stayed the previous night in Zubiri. They called that albergue, asked her if she knew where I would be the next day. Nice. And she said, yes, I know who he is. We had a conversation the night before, and he's going to be at the Jesus Maria um, albergue in, in, in uh, Pamplona. And that's how they got a hold of me. I had my passport back within the hour of wow. arriving in, in, in Pamplona. It was the most amazing thing. When I saw the in these police guys, they were so sweet. I wanted to kiss them. I only didn't kiss them because of, because of COVID. <laughs> but uh, it was just, it was one of those special things that, you know, again, people say the Camino will provide. You know what? The Camino provided a way for me to have such an incredible experience, such a, what otherwise would have been a, one of the most stressful days of my life or could have been weeks and it was turned around with, within a matter of minutes yeah. because people were there to take care of each other. And that was powerful. I think you are like me, someone who sought a little adventure and was blown away by the energy you found in the opportunity of discovery. Just those quiet times when you walk through little towns and it's just you, you stop and you might have already walked 22 kilometres that day. You pause, you take the pack off your back, you maybe order a beer and it's so cheap you can't believe it. And <laughs> you know, I think that we are the lucky ones. We are lucky enough to have had this opportunity for discovery. And listening to you, Saul, I'm certain will be an inspiration to others who perhaps have lost the hope of discovery. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you so much for being brave enough to tell your story because it hasn't been easy. I could tell in your voice that it hasn't been easy. Buen Camino, Saul. Thank you. A buen Camino to you and to anyone who ever aspires to do uh, something of the sort. Uh, Maybe you just start walking at home and spending some time contemplating where you are, where you want to be, and how you want to be. Uh, the Camino certainly provides that for so many of us, and it was a great gift. And it's a great opportunity to, to take advantage of. And, and I hope that uh, in some way I can... Uh, inspire others to, to do so. Uh, I, I just think it's, it's one of the greatest opportunities I've ever had in my life to learn. My guest this week was Saul Valdez. And as I said at the top of the podcast, we walk perhaps hoping for forgiveness, for enlightenment, for hope, for light. But the truth is, you and I hold the key to our enlightenment, the key to our love, the key to our hope, the key to our light. And it's love and kindness. Mahatma Gandhi said, where there is love, there is life. Walk on, pilgrims. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino.